This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Dip is one of those things that's great to have leftovers, and it, like, makes other leftovers more delicious and it doesn't have to be complicated you can totally buy store-bought hummus and move it to a different bowl and it's like one of those guaranteed crowd pleasers especially when there are kids around welcome to didn't i just feed you a podcast about feeding us kids hi i'm stacy and i'm megan welcome to this week's episode of didn't i just feed you we're going to talk about how much food to serve a crowd because That's a big topic. Holidays. <laughs> Is that like a happy jazzy tune or a it's like overwhelmed jazzy holidays tune? Holidays <laughs> spelled with a Z. Like yeah. D A Z E. Days. I, I'm going to make mine three Zs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you get burnt out on holidays before holidays even arrive because you have so much like content creation you're thinking about? Yeah, although it's much easier for me now that I'm not tethered to a blog or a publication. Yeah. It's really nice. I feel like I have a lot more space. I love Christmas so much that I'm like, okay, let's get through this like Thanksgiving thing. Also, I don't cook Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's not my responsibility. You go to your mom's house, right? Oh, it depends. We rotate. Oh, yeah. So we kind of rotate between my mom or – and then my mom that usually is – my like stepsisters, so my mom's husband's daughters, they live okay. right near my mom. They kind of, it's like a New Jersey thing. We either go to New Jersey or we go to Mike's family. But now we're adding a third factor in because my sister has three kids and she lives in New Orleans. So we're rotating her into it. So what's also. happening this year for Thanksgiving? New Orleans. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's really fun because all the cousins get together and my brother-in-law, a great 
cook. So you don't have to do a lot of work. Will you contribute something? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I get down there and we kind of wing it. Um, He is always happy to have help. But then like when the rubber hits the road, he has a ton of energy. Yeah. And he's just kind of all over the place. And he isn't always like, okay, Stacy, I'm planning on doing this. Can you do that? Like yeah. he's just kind of like, whoop, 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 zipping around. And I'll kind of step in and be like, hey, you want me to do that piece? And he's like, yeah, sure, great. But it's awesome. He is born and raised New Orleans. His family is from New Orleans many, many generations down the line. So, you know, he loves to like make gumbo. And my boys love that. That's their favorite when they're with Uncle Patrick you know, we'll shuck oysters together. Like we always go out to eat. It's really fun. It sounds like it. I'm a little bit jealous. You cook, (laughs) right? You cook Thanksgiving. That's your holiday? Yeah. We traditionally like hosted all of my husband's family when we lived in Atlanta. And the last two years we've done more like friends and family. Um, But I don't do, I haven't done the traditional turkey and all the sides in a couple of years, just because we do so much turkey content on the kitchen. By the time Thanksgiving actually rolls around, I feel really like over turkey. Okay, but wait, you're not going to do Beth's thing? Remember Beth Lipton from our episode on one pan meal? Oh, that braised turkey where you take it into parts. That's a really good idea. I don't know yeah, you're what's going to happen. Yeah, I might be a turkey doll. I, I could get a wild hair. You never know. Two years ago, we did fried chicken for mm. Thanksgiving. And last year, we did steaks, which is kind of like a funny story because we had all these steaks from our beef share that we got last year. And I was like, we should use these up for Thanksgiving. And we have neighbors who, like, they also don't have ex- – they weren't traveling to Iowa where they're from. And I was like, let's go over to the Fosters and do Thanksgiving dinner. But I wanted to grill the steaks. And we have a giant, like, a big, beautiful grill because I love to grill. We talked about this in an episode, right? I sent my husband on, like, a fact-finding mission. I was like, can you look at this Foster's grill and see, like, if it's big enough, like, for us to do all these steaks? I mean, we had, like, a dozen steaks. So many steaks. And he comes back. He's like, yeah, they've got a great grill. Uh, They have, like, the teeny tiniest grill when we get there. Like, teeny tiny and, like, cheap grill. (laughs) No. No. So it was just, like, one of those challenging grill cooking things. Because if I had known, I would have had Brian just roll our grill over. Like they literally live around the corner. It would be no, have been no problem. And we would have had much better steaks, but it was still fun. Um, and it was a challenge to cook like two steaks at a time. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I feel like probably both of us have times where like stories, war stories of feeding people because we both love to entertain and cook for crowds. And I think when people learn what you do for a living, like, oh, you're a food writer, you must just love to cook all the time and love to host. And so there's a little bit of assumption that you will do all of that within your family. Happens to me regularly. Embarrassed if you don't. (laughs) My one year we went, we flew from Atlanta to Seattle for Thanksgiving. And I thought like Ah, I'm going to get a break. My mom's going to do Thanksgiving dinner for everyone. And I got there and she's like, okay, so there are two turkeys that you have to cook. And oh I God. want dinner rolls <laughs> from scratch and la, la, la. And I was like, oh, okay. I just traveled with two toddlers and I'm going to cook Thanksgiving. Thanks, Ma. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a really bad habit that actually this is a good time to <laughs> to share it. As a warning to others not to do what I've done. <laughs> okay. I, when I have people over, I freaking like to try new recipes. <laughs> yeah, me too. And sometimes like, it turns out, eh, 
okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, you guys, sorry. (laughs) I swear I can cook really well. It's my job. I just felt adventurous. I took a chance and yeah. You know, this reminds me of our conversation about feeding yourself first and finding joy in the kitchen that for me, if I'm going to have to cook for a crowd, I want to have fun. And then part of the fun for me personally is trying new things and experimenting. So that's when I'm like, oh, well, let's experiment. Because if I just cook something that I've mastered, that feels like I'm on autopilot and then I don't get as excited for having people over. It just feels like more of an obligation to me. So I do think that for the holidays, y'all need to keep it real simple. Cook the things that you know you love, unless you really are comfortable being like, oh, well, that happened. This will be a funny story that one day. Yeah, I 100% agree. Can I also share with you that I recently texted another friend who is also a food writer and was like, do you ever feel like when people are super complimentary about a recipe that you tried and you thought was kind of meh, that they're either full of or they have terrible taste? Yes. (laughs) Wait, when they're trying one of your recipes? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, like you have people over and people are like, oh, wow, this soup is so good. Or like, this is the yes. best batch of biscuits. And you're like, and actually, you're like, it's really not. And you're like, yeah, it's okay. I feel like maybe I needed more salt or some more acidity, or I didn't have the, the right but- amount of buttermilk for this recipe or whatever. And like, you can't, like, what do you... <laughs> internal- I have a much darker thought. Internally, actually- I'm like, I think you're either full of or you have terrible taste. Yeah, that's what I I think, like, they don't understand food at all. (laughs) I get really weird and snobby. I'm like, oh, thank you. What? This isn't good. Like, can't you taste that it needs more vinegar? Our friends friends and family are going to listen and be like, well, I'm never going (laughs) to give Stacey or Megan a compliment ever again. And now we're going to have a weird complex where no one ever compliments the food. (laughs) Megan, this means we're off the hook for cooking. It's going to stress people out too much to have us cook. Because then they're going to be like, is my reaction right? It's all a master plan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we should talk about cooking is stressful. And the, the topic of today's episode actually came out of a question in our listeners group. And I should I should have pulled this up so we know who it was. Um, someone shared that they were hosting a graduation party. This was in June. And they were like, this is what I'm planning. Is this too much food? Is this enough food? And I think that's a really great question. And I think we both have some great advice about how to cook for a crowd, both like logistically and what to shop for. And then like the nitty gritty of like how many things do you really need, whether it's for Thanksgiving, which we know is really close, or Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, whatever you have coming down the pike. But let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsor, Oregon Fruit. Stacy, I could not be more excited about the start of holiday baking season. You know, I've been waiting all year long for this. I know this is your jam, Megan. But I have to tell you the truth. I can kind of take it or leave it to somebody else. Although during the holidays, I do get pulled in. You know, I want to get the kids in the kitchen and I want to cook up all the holiday treats, but I have even less time than usual. Listen, I get it. Baking shortcuts are key, but they can be tricky during the holidays when you also want to put your best foot forward. That's why I'm crazy about our new sponsor, Oregon Fruit. I couldn't agree more. I am totally obsessed. Oregon Fruit Red Tart Cherries are one of my new favorites. They have just two simple ingredients, cherries and water. They are non-GMO project verified, they contain zero high fructose corn syrup, and they come packed in cans with non-BPA linings. You know we love that. 
so great, right? As our resident baking expert, I can't say enough how fantastic it is to find canned fruit that tastes amazing and is made entirely with ingredients you know and trust. You guys need to try Oregon fruit for yourselves. Be sure to check the baking or canned fruit aisle in your local supermarket for that iconic black Oregon fruit label. Look for the little bee. You can also find a wide range of Oregon fruit varieties on Amazon or Walmart.com and visit our show notes for direct links. So you cook Thanksgiving. I usually cook Christmas and or a Hanukkah meal. How many people are you typically cooking for? Okay. When we lived in Atlanta and we did Thanksgiving, it was always about 15 people. So that was all of my husband's brothers and sisters, my in-laws, and all of the children in between all those families. So that's like a mix of kids and adults, which does matter. It does. And I think that's actually one of the things that throws people off. Yes. Yes. Because kids eat a lot more or they eat different. They're going to focus on different things than grownups are going to. Um, And now that we're here in Boise, you know, um, we have this little like core group of school families. And I think that there are about the same, maybe more and more like 18 people when it's all of us together, Um, which is like, that's a lot of people to feed logistically and expense-wise. How about you? When you're cooking for for Christmas, how many people are you typically feeding? I would say more like 8 to 12. Okay. Because I also, you know, I live in New York City and entertaining with more than 12 people is, it gets real crowded and uncomfortable and hot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although, oh my gosh, was it last Christmas or the Christmas before? It was warm enough that we were all outside in the backyard with a fire pit going. That's kind of really cozy and sweet. It was. It was really nice, like all in our PJs and stuff. And but that's anyway. a really great tip is like to think outside of your normal like dining room, kitchen space about where you can serve people. When we had all of my husband's family in Atlanta, we used to take our dining room table out. Like it came out of the dining room and flowed into our formal dining room or formal living room. So we could have two tables and have it be like really long and everyone was together. Um, I recently went to a kid's party that they like used their garage, but they had it decorated and like the door open. So it was like inside, outside and all the food was inside the garage. And that was really fun. Totally. And if you're going to use your outside, I also like think about how you want to phase your meal. I mean, this is a little bit formal, But if you live someplace that's warm all year or warm enough to go outside, like maybe set up appetizers outside if you're still going to be finishing off cooking in the beginning or do dessert outside, like just a plate with like cookies and bars and then like put s'more stuff if you have a fire pit or something like that. But that way, like people feel like they can move around and also you feel like you have a little bit of breathing room around you for when things get hectic in the kitchen. Yes. (laughs) And you feel like you just need to be like... (gasps) Where's my wine? I'm just going to go breathe in my kitchen. (sighs) Also, as an introverted extrovert, I like dessert outside because then everyone's like already got their coats on and a lot of people are like, okay, great. We're going to leave now and go out the back. Like the I side <laughs> Also, I think dessert is a great place to start talking about how to serve a, a crowd because that's actually what I like to start. I mean, you know, right? Like you're going to have a turkey or you're going to have a roast for like a big party, or maybe you're just doing appetizers. But dessert is one of the easiest things to check off your list. And most often you can make it way in advance. And it's also a great place to like just buy stuff. I love yes. your idea of like you just buy cookies 
or buy cupcakes. There's so many great things in stores, specifically for holiday entertaining, that you don't need to make dessert from scratch. Yes, that's where I was going to go because I don't love baking as much as you. So I really, you know, when you sit down and you make your plan for what you're going to make, like weight, don't give everything equal weight. Like if you love cocktails, make some homemade simple syrups and buy all of dessert, (laughs) you know, like if you love to bake, bake and then get help with, you know, make it a potluck for the savory. I love just savory, straight up savory cooking. So I definitely rely on store-bought desserts. And then, you know, listen, if you want to splurge, you have the budget for it and you really like want something more than just the supermarket pie, which if you ask me is just fine. Like there are places online, Gold Belly, it's G-O-L-D-B-E. I don't know if it's two L's or one L. Why? We'll have it in our show notes. But anyway, that's a great one that mail orders, you can do mail order from specialty, famous specialty food stores all around the country. You can get fantastic desserts from there for the holidays. Yeah. And I think even like um, Milk Bar and Zingerman's, which they're both famous for their desserts, they ship nationwide. Dean and DeLuca has some like bigger like platters that probably include dessert too. And it's, it can be pricey, especially at the holidays and you're shipping food. So that can be expensive because you need to keep it cool, et cetera. But, you know, that's why I think even if you're not a meal planner, just jotting out and seeing the big picture so you can figure out where you want to put your energy and where you want to put your money to shortcut it is really important as a first step. Yes. And I would just on the dessert front want to add that Trader Joe's is a great place to get inexpensive yes. desserts like from their freezer section and their fresh section. Um, if you're going to do like a great cookie plate or you want a great homemade pie, not homemade, but like a pie that tastes homemade, Costco is another great place to shop for that kind of stuff. Um, what are some of your favorite store-bought desserts? Um, I love making sweet potato pie. So that's Yes, that's like, my favorite pie too. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Love it. But I'll grab an apple pie. I mean, sometimes if I'm making a sweet potato pie, I'm just like, eh, it's really easy to double the pie dough mm-hmm. and then just throw other ones together. But like, usually we will make, the boys and I will make like one or two cookies, like at the beginning of the season. This is more for Christmas than Thanksgiving. Um, And I'll freeze the dough. I'll make them in big batches. But then when it comes down to it, I want more than two variety of cookies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'll definitely buy cookies for sure. And then here in New York and New Jersey, the tri-state area, there are so many delicious um, Italian specialty stores. Yes. And I feel like the holidays, the Italians make some delicious desserts that would be more intensive to make, like those fried dough balls with all the um, rainbow sprinkles. I forget what they're called right now. Oh my goodness. They're a little Italian cookie. I can't even think of it. Um, And then there's like, you know, tiramisu is another one that people really love and is a crowd pleaser. And it's like, nice. It has a, it's not quite as crazy sweet and has that little coffee flavor to end a meal. So things like that. I like going to specialty stores Yeah, or, you know, baklava. Like I'm Greek. So the Greeks love some baklava or Greek pastries. And I don't make that. I just go to the Greek bakery in Bay Ridge. Yes. (laughs) So I would agree with um, tiramisu 
and baklava. I'd also add cannolis are really fun and feel super fancy and you can get the mini ones. Again, a specialty store or I think Costco sells that kind of thing frozen and then you just thaw it at home. Here we have places that will sell you the cannoli shell and the cannoli cream separately. And then you just pipe them so that, at home. Yeah, so Super that you fresh. can actually put it out as make your own for the kids. Oh, that's so fun. My With kids little sprinkles love. and mini chocolate yes. chips. Yes. Yes. So smart. And then cheesecake is a great cloud yeah, cloud pleaser. I don't love cheesecake. I mean, it's like <gasps> really? probably going to be as controversial as grapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't believe it. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I love cheese. I love cake. Put them together. (laughs) I love cheesecake. But again, that's like a great, easy, like you buy a plain one and then you could dress it up like with your sour cherries that you love so much as a topping or do like sour cream with a little bit of brown sugar on top. Um, Lots of easy dessert things. Very logistically. I want to talk about quantities. Yeah. So... It gets tricky when you're talking about like cakes and pies because it's like a slice per person. And and what does that really look like? Depends on, again, are you serving only adults? Are you serving adults and kids? Are you going to have multiple pies? Because some people are going to want a slice of each and some people are only going to eat one slice of pie. So there's kind of this rule uh, like that in regards to ounces, if this helps, if you're like at Costco and you're like, well, this pie is 80 ounces. How many people is that going to feed? And it's about four ounces per person. So if you have an 80 ounce pie, it's probably going to give you 20 slices and it's going to serve 20 people. And my, are you saying for, if that's your only dessert, if that's your only dessert? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I don't know. Do you have great advice? I, I'm hoping that you do when it comes to like if you're multiple doing multiple desserts. desserts. No, it's just to not overdo it. To really yeah. like what I try to do is if I'm going to have a dessert spread, desserts are also really easy to have leftovers of. Yes. Um, Because if you store them properly, which we'll be talking about soon in an upcoming episode. Yes, yes. They'll last a few days. So, yeah. and everybody likes, I mean, who's going to complain about having pie for breakfast the next day, the day after Thanksgiving? I'm not. I mean, if you are, like, let's talk, email us. Hello at didn't I just feed you? <laughs> um, but I, like, if a standard, like, nine inch pie normally feeds eight, mm-hmm. I would say, like, 16. Okay. Like I just cut the pieces in half because kids are going to eat multiple slices because that's really what the kids are going to eat. Let's be honest. They're waiting for dessert. It's probably what I'm mostly going to eat because let's be (laughs) honest, I'm waiting for dessert. You know, but if I have a crowd, I would say if you have a crowd of like 25 doing like two nine inch pies is pretty good if you're going to have cookies also. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have a big sheet cake then you definitely only need, yeah, I would still have two pies for variety, yes. personally. And I want to add, if you don't want to do cookies, buying like some nice chocolates, some truffles, even oh, like Trader nice. Joe's truffles and putting them on a plate are kind of great for the people who don't love dessert and they just want like one little sweet thing with their cup of coffee or glass of wine after after dinner. That's nice. Yeah. I usually do biscotti for that reason. Oh, yeah. That's a great, man, we could spend a whole episode talking about dessert, but can we talk real quick about Appetizers? Yeah. What do you do do for appetizers? I feel like this is the area I underthink the most. And then I'm like, oh crap, what are people going to eat when they get here? 
So I actually overthink appetizers, but that's because, well, let's see, it depends. Because I do sometimes, like every other year, I'll have a holiday open house and it's more like a cocktail party. Yeah. Okay. So for appetizers, I think the key is to combine homemade and store-bought. Like that's key. So either from a local caterer or just the supermarket, have someone else make a cheese plate for you. I think that that's really honestly the move. And then what you do is you, depending on how fancy it is in the first place, you also buy a wheel of brie and like maybe one other quote unquote fancier cheese. And then like get a pomegranate, get like seasonal things, get rosemary sprigs because they're beautiful, sage leaves. And then you take the store-bought cheese plate and you put it on a regular plate, and then you put all the other stuff. Like you do your own arrangement and you add these other homemade elements. I love adding um, fig jam. If you're not making it homemade, which probably you aren't, like put it in a pretty little separate bowl. And I find that for appetizers, people really want cheese and crackers. Yes. (laughs) People love cheese and crackers. So load up on that so that if you are stressed about the amount of other appetizers you have, there's always that and people are always going to feel satisfied. Yes. Also, also cheese, leftovers, store well. Throw it in a baggie. Uh, hello, we love cheese. Yeah. We are happy to have cheese leftovers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then beyond a cheese plate, I will typically do like two other smaller and maybe one bigger if it's more cocktail party and the dinner is smaller. Yeah. I think two other little is fine if you have a huge meal coming. Yes. Keep it light, people. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also want to remind people that appetizers can be a strategy of a for a meal. Like you could make a whole party out of just appetizers, yeah. in which case you want to probably have like double the number of apps that you would at least. Well, so, okay, that's interesting because that's what I was saying for the open house. We do just appetizers. But then we get like two or three things that are in between. So there's a place in Brooklyn called Dub Pies that makes these like hand pies from New Zealand. Or go to Costco or Trader Joe's and get big sheets of spinach pie, Greek style spinach pie. Mm -hmm. But if you have two things like that, that people can like really dig into... And then three smaller appetizers and a hearty cheese plate, you're in really good shape. Yes, I agree. And I also want to add that if you have kids that are coming, probably to open house, do you have kids coming? Yes. Okay. Do you do things like nuts, pretzels, popcorn? Popcorn's a big one that we do when we have friends over. I do, but you know, now our kids are older, so they don't really, they're happy to have cheese from the cheese plate. And something else, yeah, Yeah. something else I'll do for that in between, which I'm sure you do too, is get like a ham and biscuits and people can make their own sandwiches and then the kids just eat biscuits Yeah, (laughs) all night. (laughs) I've actually never done that other than like having ham for Thanksgiving. That's a really smart idea. You could make a whole like party around ham sandwiches. And you don't even have to make biscuits. You could do those like sweet Hawaiian rolls and fun mustards and jams. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so smart. Um, Did we logistically answer the question, like how many appetizers number wise, if people are just going to do like little one to two by appetizers? I would say if you're doing appetizers without a meal, at least six, thinking about like some, like either a centerpiece, like the ham with rolls 
or like two like hand pies and spinach pies, something heartier. Yeah. I think if it's preceding a meal, I would say a cheese plate and like two to three others is plenty. I think that's perfect. Right? Yes. The rule of thumb is like that guests are going to do like six bites, six appetizers. So if you have like those little mini quiches, you would need 30 of them for five people. Like if that's all you were doing. So then think about like if you have three different appetizers, most guests are going to eat two of each and, and do that math. Don't make me do that math. (laughs) I won't. They can do that math. Let's, can can we talk some charts on the show note page or like link to examples? Can we talk for one second before we move on about dips? Like how much dip do you make? A lot. Again, I (laughs) I think that dip is one of those things that's great to have leftovers and it like makes other leftovers more delicious. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can totally buy store-bought hummus and move it to a different bowl. And it's like one of those guaranteed crowd pleasers, especially when there are kids around. And then I like to do a lot of like take yogurt and flavor it right now. Since the sauce episode and you were like garlic chili crisp is the jam, I started making this yogurt dip that's literally like Greek yogurt and the garlic chili oil. And it's so good. Oh, that sounds so good. I used to make a spicy feta dip that's like basically sour cream, a tiny bit of mayo, and feta, and then top it with spicy harissa. Yes. So good. But in general, I feel like one or two dips is all you really need if you're putting them as an appetizer spread. Totally. Too many dips and people get overwhelmed and things get like totally uneaten. And I would say that I usually make about two cups of each one, kind of regardless of how many people are coming, unless you're getting to a crowd of over 25. But like I would say 25 or lower, I'm making two cups of dip approximately. And if it's like a small crowd, then just one dip. If it's a bigger crowd, two separate dips. Hearts of Palm Dip, which we've linked to, is one of my favorites. I know. It's like the same texture. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not like quite hummus and it's not quite like artichoke dip. It's kind of like this, very, but it's very hearty. Yeah. It's actually pretty light compared to hummus, but it's the same idea where you just take a can of Hearts of Palm and you drain it. You put it in a food processor with lemon juice, garlic, salt, and then as it's blending, add oil in a slow, steady stream until it gets to the right thickness, which is approximately like hummus, but a little bit lighter because it doesn't have that heft. Hearts of Palm doesn't have the same heft as chickpeas. And it's delicious. Every single time I make it, every single time I make it, people are like, what is this? It's so delicious. I get a little lost in thought when you talk recipes, Stacey. It's very <laughs> sexy. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, well then I, I have one more for you. Make that. Okay, because I me. forgot about this before we move on from okay. appetizers. A sheet tray of roasted tomatoes. You know, we both talk about roasted tomatoes all the all time. All the time. Like roast them, olive oil, salt, then put it in your fridge. You can use it a million ways. Well, do the same thing. But add some seasonal stone fruit, like maybe plums. I've never tried pears, but I've been curious to try that. Mm. Put that on the sheet pan too. Roast it all together. Then take it out and take those tiny little mozzarella balls Mm -hmm. or burrata that you break up into lots of pieces. And literally on the sheet pan, dot the cheese all around. So you've got the olive oil on the bottom of the sheet pan. You have these beautiful, like caramelized cherry tomatoes and fruit. And then you've 
dotted the cheese around. If you eat meat, you can even take prosciutto and take each slice and kind of roll it up and dot the prosciutto around and put that on the table right on the sheet pan with like little pieces of, you know, like crostini or sliced baguette. <laughs> You're like, and I don't even care what really, the bread is. Just I know, I know. Just put spoons out. Everyone gets there. People own. just like, you know, eat it up. I have a picture of it from a party that I hosted uh, maybe last year. I'll post it on Instagram. It's beautiful and like very satisfying. Yeah. And you can put it out on the thing yeah. that you cooked it in. We love that. Great. Make it easy, Stacey. Make it easy. Okay. Now, main courses? We have to talk about the main event. So like your main and sides. That's a lot. Do you have a general rule of thumb? Like how, if you're doing like a ham or a roast, you bris- your, your wonderful brisket recipe, which I got to eat when I was in New York last year around the holidays. Um, what, how many sides do you plan on? Okay. Th- I'm going to fully admit that this is where I go off the rails. <laughs> this is what I love. I get more invested in a like composed menu. Yeah. Than I do thinking about what's reasonable. <laughs> Okay. Okay. How about you? How about you? (sighs) I feel a little bit the same way. I try to hit like a couple of marks. That's my goal is like having something green, which people, we have a Thanksgiving slaw on the kitchen.com. There's, there's so many iterations of this. We, I've done like a Brussels sprout slaw before on Thanksgiving. People freak out about it. They're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And it's only because it's such contrast to like the warm mashed potatoes and, you know, all the creamy gravy and the warm turkey. It's like bright and acidic and it's crunchy. And so slaw is one of my go-tos now for any kind of big. I love that. Yep. And the thing is, like, you could do slaws a million ways. You do this great, like, fennel salad, which I feel like is yeah. borderline slaw. Yes. If not totally. actually slaw. And you do, like, lots of lemon juice and olive oil on it, and it's super easy to make. And it is the kind of thing that holds up well as being leftovers. And then you can throw on sandwiches and stuff with your leftover ham That's or turkey. Genius. Yes. So I like to have, like, not a green salad because sometimes that feels, like, obligatory. But have something green that's kind of like a slaw. Um, And then two other vegetables and something starchy. And the vegetables could be, like, sautéed green beans. It might count mashed potatoes. It might be sweet potato coins. It might be... I'm like, what are other vegetables? Bro- broccoli. Um, and then something starchy could could be like bread rolls or it could be like a grain salad. So I guess I'm hitting about four sides. And I like this idea that we've talked about maybe off the recording or we talked about with our friend Kristen, who we're going to talk about at the end of the show, that like it's better to make larger quantities of three or four things, both logistically and also for leftovers and for like satisfying a crowd than it is to have like 27 side dishes. I totally agree with you. Totally. And I feel like it's so, feels so nice when you sit at a table and you're like, oh, this is so abundant. Like the mashed potatoes come around and you're not looking around at everybody else and being like, oh, I shouldn't take too much. Yes. Because <laughs> I want to make sure everybody gets a scoop. Like that, like ha- choosing variety over that, I think is the wrong move. I agree. You know, because I think we get stuck in hostess thinking instead of guest thinking. Yeah. Like when you're a host, 
hostess, whatever you want to call yourself. I feel like it's so easy to get lost in trying to impress people. But when you're a guest, you just want comfort food. You want to be able to put as much on your plate as you want. And you just want it to taste good. If there are three options and they're all cooked well and they taste delicious, that's so much better than having 14 options. Yes. I think. And then like, just that that whole thing of like you're not stressed as the cook you're not like overwhelmed and stressed about like i have to do this thing at this point and this like you're going to have better tasting food because you focused on those things and you, because you're less stressed also people can tell when the host or hostess is stressed and then nothing is delicious yeah and then you feel bad <laughs> and you feel like oh, like, I'm oh like, this is awkward we're imposing on them yeah. like this is so hard it's like that's not what you want your guests to feel and we know that because we know that's why you're cooking so hard in the first place because you want to make everyone happy. But the way to make everyone happy is to relax a little. So if that means only having three sides in a turkey and a store-bought pie, believe me, everyone will be fine and we'll have fun. Yes. Or they'll have a really good story to tell. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> About the dry turkey. The turkey was really overcooked. That, that it was saddest. Was anyway. <laughs> I also think sides are another great place to decide. Like, I don't, if you don't enjoy like mashing potatoes, like shortcut it, buy the already peeled potatoes or like buy a casserole thing that you can reheat. Again, lots of restaurants and stores are like there for you to provide the sides for you and take something off your plate. Can I take a little side trip for one second and ask a question? I love a side trip. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I never, ever eat mashed potatoes. I don't know why. Oh, okay. Wow. I... Can we be friends even anymore? I, I don't know. <laughs> I love mashed potatoes, so we can be friends. Because okay. the, the issue isn't that I don't like them. I have certain foods that I've just gotten, like, I'm not in the habit of making. Yeah. Mac and cheese is another one. Admit, although I'm embarrassed too, that it's partly because I associated mashed potatoes as being not unhealthy, but just like... That's not what I'm going to cook at home. Like I can keep it yeah. lighter. I can keep it healthier. You can, so, I think you can say like you'd rather eat your cal- your calories and your carbs elsewhere. I think that's a safe space to say that. Yeah. I yeah. think that's like that. That's where I was for a long time. And then <laughs> because my kids never ate mashed potatoes, both of my boys will not eat them. Oh, wow. It's bizarre and a little bit upsetting, but whatever. Um, they like, a, they love garlicky roasted potatoes. They love French fries. They just, they think mashed potatoes are lame. I think they're lame for thinking that. But anyway, when the holidays come around, I, like my holiday meal needs to have mashed potatoes. Do you feel for the you? same way? Yeah. For like, you? If you don't, like if you invite me to your house for Thanksgiving and you don't have mashed potatoes, like I'm very, I'm sad. I'm yeah. sad. I don't, so this is a tricky one because I feel like, love mashed potatoes like there I would put that on like my top 10 things that I want to eat but we don't make them at home very often in fact Ella is really boat Megan Ella is really into mashed cauliflower and she will request that over mashed potatoes because I do think they're really labor intensive and like honestly they're a thing that like people either like sing at or they're kind of mediocre. So I think sometimes people don't make them cuz they're like, "Uh, I don't know how to." And it's like seems like a ton of work. I feel like I 
will forgive you for not having mashed potatoes if you have something potato, like potato au gratin, scalloped potatoes. Maybe you have just like really those really delicious roasted um, garlic butter potatoes that you were mentioning the boys love. <sighs> yeah. I need a potato. I, just, I need I a do. potato too. I'm just a little sad when it's not mashed. Also, lately <laughs> we've been doing a lot of baked potato content on kitchen and people are like really opinionated about potatoes. Yeah. And I forget about baked potatoes. Okay. We do baked sweet, sweet potatoes a lot. But yeah, a forgivable offense. I'm, I'm going to have my grape moment. Oh, gosh. Okay. If you love baked potatoes, I'm going to venture to say you're basically making mashed potatoes. You're yeah. filling the center with sour cream and butter and salt and pepper. And then, and then you get the crispy outside, too. <laughs> and that's, you're, you love mashed Wait, potatoes, too. Do, you, do your boys like ma- uh, baked potatoes? We almost never... The only kind of baked potatoes we make are sweet potatoes okay see same I they love them. baked sweet potatoes i put it in oliver's lunch how can they not I, okay uh, i do think sometimes sweet potatoes are more flavorful than russets so i like a little bit get that but also like come on guys mashed potatoes maybe mashed potatoes are just falling out of fashion megan can i interrupt us for one second yeah to share for <laughs> a text that i just got sure um, my husband's traveling, and I got a text that totally distracted me from our conversation. I'm at my gate waiting to board. I look up, and Regan's is on my flight. Clear eyes, full hearts. <gasps> Can't lose! Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I'm actually red. I think I'm blushing. I'm in, like, a recording. I love Tim Regan's. Do you Can guys- I ask him if he wants to come for dinner? <laughs> after their flight right oh my gosh um if this makes it onto the recording do you guys know what we're talking about anyway <laughs> tim riggins friday night lights tim you know. riggins do they know i think <sighs> i feel like everyone needs to know yes tim riggins can come to my holiday dinner <clears throat> anytime anytime so anytime. <laughs> <laughs> baked potatoes yeah, I can I can leave the crispy outside and just eat the mashed potatoes inside. I'm basically oh, just making mashed potatoes. I like the crispy outside. Okay, I feel like did we spend enough time talking about potatoes? Did we really just go on a side journey and and not answer a question? No, I think we answered amounts okay, okay. and like how to think about strategizing. So okay. let's get to the main the main main. Event. What do you like to do for your main? I'm always changing it up, but I do Christmas, so I rarely do turkey. I do a lot of um, prime rib. It's pretty much what I mostly do. The last few days I've been doing, it's a method on um, series seats. Okay. Kenji Alt Lopez. Yes. He has a slow roast where you, like, at a very low temperature roast your beef roast and then at the very end in a searing hot pan with herbs and garlic to flavor the butter you melt butter you put the roast in and then you you know you know the technique oh you show it the technique on video everybody should catch you on kitchen cooking school oh you do the Yes, they All should. All of a sudden, I got embarrassed that you no. shared that. They No, they should, because I watched you make steak, yeah. and it's the same idea. So yeah. I, this is a technique. It's a little bit chef-y, so I don't know that all the home cooks know about it. But basically, you melt a ton of butter, yeah. and you put herbs and garlic in it to flavor it, and right before it gets, like, nutty brown, 
you know, you start spooning it over your meat. Yes. And when you're doing it with the steak, the steak has gone into the pan raw. That's how you're cooking your steak. Yeah. But with this technique for beef roast, you're like a beef tenderloin, for example, you slow roast it in the oven and then you finish it that way. So it ends with this like delicious garlicky, buttery, crisp outside. Butter basting it, babe. Butter basting. So I do that a lot. Or like, I also like to come up with themes. So I think I mentioned this last year, but a couple of years ago, I was really into exploring Puerto Rican cooking Mm -hmm. and made a whole like Puerto Rican uh, Christmas meal. Yes. So we had pernil pork loin for that. I mean, not pork loin, a pork roast. Pork roast. I feel like people forget about pork roast. Yeah. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't because uh, it's generally less expensive than like turkey, ham, or steak. Um, Do you think people are like intimidated by the margin of error? Because you kind of want to like cook it like a big beef roast where you cook it to temperature? I don't know. I think that's a really great question. And I think it's a good opportunity to say that I really do think everybody should own a meat thermometer. Yes. Like even expert cooks. Like I use mine. Like all the time, all All the the time. time. That's, that's how you get delicious meat that's cooked well. Like we aren't magicians, (laughs) but also everything else too. Like, yes, it's a probe thermometer designed to give, to talk to you about the internal temperature of your big roast or your steaks or whatever. But like, that's how you can temp bread to make sure that it's done. If you're baking bread at home, it should come up to 200 degrees when it's fully baked. Things like quiches and egg casseroles pudding, if you want to try creme brulee, like all of those things, you can temp them. Cheesecake even, you can temp it to know that it's ready to come out of the oven. Like take all the guesswork out. And they're like pretty affordable. I think Thermoworks, which is a brand that like everyone loves, makes a pen that's like 20 bucks. Yeah. It's really, really worth the investment. So if you don't have one and you're cooking holiday meals, really splurge if you can and grab one. And then say, oh, I spent that money. I better put this to good use. Even if you have to force yourself, because once you get in the habit, you'll find that it's really, really worth it. Totally. But you are mostly like, you're a turkey expert. Hey, yeah. I hate hate turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Is it okay to say that? I cook so many turkeys every year. It is. I've cooked thousands of turkeys in my lifetime. Between like working for Alton, who who is also a turkey king, like everyone uses his brined turkey recipe and his fried turkey recipe. And we would have like every year without fail, we would have to buy turkeys in like July and do turkey recipes for like six weeks at a time. Okay. So I think it's telling that his his turkey recipes are so popular because it makes me think that people think that turkey is something technical. Yes. And the pressure's on. They're cooking it during the holidays. So like when you feel like you need to learn something technical, Alton Brown is one of the first people that you think of, right? Like he made a name for himself in taking technique and bringing it down so that everybody can kind of embrace it and like cook a certain way. And telling you what not to worry about, you know, like the old image of like you're, you're laboriously basting the turkey every hour. Like you don't really need to do that. In fact, it might even slow down your cooking. Like, can you do it? Can you baste if you want to? Sure. But you don't have to. Um, So it takes like a lot of the stress out to use someone like, like Alton, or I would say Kenji Alt Lopez, who writes for Serious Eats is a good person. Also, there's things you can do like 
those oven bags. I know this sounds like wacky that you take your turkey and put it in a plastic bag and put it in your roasting pan and put it in the oven, but it makes like a rotisserie chicken turkey. Like the chick, the, the meat is literally falling off the bones. And I did love Beth Lipton's advice of like, break down your turkey and braise it because that also takes a lot of the stress and guesswork out. So uh, down to brass tacks, I usually think I'm not cooking turkey, so I want you to talk about that. I usually estimate about six ounces per person. I think that's a good rule of thumb for most things. I'm like, but like if you're serving salmon or you're serving like a beef tenderloin, that's very expensive. And you have a lot of sides, like not a lot in number, but like a like an abundant amount of sides. I think you could go to four ounces. Yeah. Agree? For disagree? Sure. No, I, I totally agree. Because actually, I do find that in the holidays, unless you're doing, like if you're making a like show stopper, you've splurged, you've bought like gorgeous, gorgeous meat, beef tenderloin, and, like, that's really the thing, then go, like, to six or even a little more, but then take your sides down. Then just have, like, a salad and potatoes and let that be the centerpiece. But otherwise, for the holidays, I do. I agree that you could bring it down a little bit. The meat is never the thing that gets eaten most. At least people there's turkey. People get stoked about their sides. Like, everyone has a side that they're like, this is the one thing I look forward to every year. Maybe it's mashed potatoes. Yeah, totally. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's crunchy slaw. <laughs> um, so I'm usually buying a boneless beef tenderloin. Actually, sometimes I buy the like bone-in crown roast. Yeah. So a turkey for 10 people, how many pounds? Oh, I'm like, do I don't know. Don't make me do math right okay. now. <laughs> a 10 to 12 pound turkey. Okay. Because you have to think about the bones. Like even yeah. though it weighs 12 pounds and we're saying six ounces per person, there is some loss in like the juice that runs out and then the bones account for some of that weight. Totally. Okay. So cool. a pound per person when you're shopping. I love it. Can we, we talk potatoes for a second? I know I'm going backwards. To, oh my gosh, but like, you and potatoes, today. I want to say like three pounds of potatoes for 10 people. Yeah. What is the- Might like, be a little much. I like love those mashed potatoes. cooked. So like if you bought eight ounces of potatoes per, per person, person. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be right on the money with leftovers. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say, I want to talk about drinks. Oh, we should talk <laughs> about drinks. <laughs> We should talk about drinks. Have other people bring the drinks. (laughs) Have other people buy the drinks. Uh, Bring drinks. Yeah. And like drinks are hard because are you serving like non-alcoholic drinks? Are you serving champagne? Are you doing wine? Are you doing cocktails? So those can like be tricky and change the number. Do you, does everyone, I'm like, does everyone know how many servings are in a bottle of wine? Yeah, that's great. Tell them. I'm like, I don't actually know. Oh, I do. Oh, it's about I'm four. Like, it's about actually four. a little yeah. more, but we're heavy drink. We're heavy wine drinkers. Like <laughs> I don't drink frequently and I don't drink a lot. But when I drink, like when my family drinks, a bottle is about four and a half. It's the holidays. It's the holidays. <laughs> and then you can kind of guesstimate from there because um, it really just depends on how many glasses you think yeah. people will drink. I think... Like when I'm guessing, I feel very comfortable saying I'm going to provide you each with four glasses of wine 
because so a bottle surely, per person. Yeah, surely not everybody's going to drink that much. And then um, you have leftovers. And then you have leftovers. So that is definitely on the high end. But because we always buy wine that we're happy to have around for us, then like that's what we'll do. Which means like not super expensive. We're not buying Camus here, people. Like, you know, like an affordable, drinkable wine. Um, and sometimes we'll split that. Like I'll reduce that if we're going to have champagne or white wine to go with the appetizers. Yeah. Or have a cocktail if you're having a cocktail or beer option too. Yeah. We never buy beer, but you guys are, you guys are big beer people. I'm not a beer person. Brian's oh. a beer person. Okay. I feel like it's a, like, a, I don't want to say it's like a Western thing. What is it? I don't know. I don't, we'd like never drink beer. Yeah. I Brian, Brian and his brothers, they drink beer. My brother-in-law drinks a ton of beer. Yeah. So it's not like it's not Southern. It's not, but like even in Boise, like everyone's like, there's so many breweries and like all like people get together and it's always beer. It's very rarely wine. I feel like when I have to calculate beer, then I get all thrown off because I'm like, are you going to drink beer and wine? So I don't even bother. I typically like focus on the wine and then I will have like a six pack. Or like that's two great. that depends. Just so someone can have a beer if that's what they prefer. I also feel like drinks are a great thing when people are like, you know, those pushy people, aka me, who are like, what can I bring? What can I bring? What can yeah. I bring? Like I'm always say, oh, bring what you whatever you'd like to drink. Um, and I like to if I know there are going to be kids, I think it's always fun to bring something that's kid specific when I'm bringing a drink. Like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, like juice boxes yeah. or like sparkling apple cider, something like that that feels festive for for little kids. So I like making, like, I'm calling it punch because that's kind of the traditional holiday thing. Yeah. But it can also be some sort of mixed drink that tastes good also without the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in one of those dispensers and people, kids can dispense for themselves and there's no alcohol in it. And then I'll keep the bottle of alcohol separate and people can basically spike theirs. So it's that's like really a punch smart. Yeah, that's non-alcoholic, but that I know tastes delicious with rum and, you know, whiskey or something like that. And then I'll have the bottle of rum and whiskey on the side where the kids can't get to it and people kind of make their own. So you think. So you so, think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, uh, clearly, I grew up in a family of alcohol with alcoholics. Megan, I have an almost 13-year-old. You can't, I know it's a Those real are risk. a joke. Okay. I know. We should um, move on. Where I'm one, getting too deep and vulnerable here. And all I wanted to say was that punch in general, whether it's like sangria and whether it's like mocktail that you can turn into a cocktail is a brilliant way to stretch booze to fit your budget. Yes. I'm huge on mold wine. I have the best mold wine recipe ever. We'll you better share it with us. Um, and think about it as like a half gallon every five people. Yes. If you're making like a punch. Ooh. A lot of punch. I mean, okay, so I that's funny that I said four glasses of wine per person. I was thinking about that. I was like, I really revealed something there. I think the general rule of thumb is more like two to three, but anyway, (laughs) you need some drinks to get through my family holidays. (laughs) What can I say, people? What can I say? We have gone so this is such a long episode with just the two of us. Usually, we're, we're only at about an hour. It is, but there's a lot of juicy details. There's a lot to cover, and I feel like we should link to some sources and put, like, real math on the show notes. Because what else can we, like, what else can we talk about? That's it. We did it. Serving a crowd is hard work. 
Make it easy on yourself by buying what you don't like to prepare, outsourcing drinks to friends and family, and then focus your efforts on a few really stellar dishes. And don't forget to go semi-homemade. Really, like take store-bought things and add a homemade touch. Like You can do all your appetizers like that. Okay, but that's not semi-homemade, Stacey. That's make it easy. That's your bread and butter. Yeah, well, I mean, don't let Sandra Lee have the credit. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about her. I blocked her out. (laughs) I blocked her out. Um, But like- Go all Petty Crocker on us. Yes, I did. That was Petty Crocker. Um, But like roasting chickpeas takes no time, can be made ahead. Put that on top of store-bought hummus. Take the back of your spoon and make a like pretty little round divot that you fill with olive oil, gorgeous. And it's like nothing. So easy. And people freak. They think it's like super luxe and that you're just a brilliant host, which you are with all this info. All right. (laughs) Find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. You can answer the question with either whiskey or painkiller or one bottle of wine. (laughs) Person. Punch a gallon of punch. I'm kidding. Oh, I feel Whiskey like we had a killer. We had a funny end there because I feel like we're both trying to hold our tongue because we have so much more to say, which There's is really good reason to join that listeners. Yes, because we'll talk more, more in there. Important than that, while you're here right now, you're listening. Subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You if you haven't already so you don't miss a single episode. And if you want to tell your friends about us, we would be so honored. If you rate and review us, you'll bring a smile to our face. We really appreciate it. It makes a really big difference. Damn, Stacey, that was a good send out. Our music (laughs) is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy and Samantha Gatsik, and the entire team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes. Or leave us a review. 